Chapter Fourteen of the Mystery of the Ravenspurs by Fred M. White. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Fourteen. It might be you. Marion caught her breath quickly. The marble pallor of her face showed up more strongly against her dark hair. Geoffrey caught the look, and his eyes grew sympathetic. "'What's the matter, little girl?' he asked. "'It isn't like you to faint.' "'Neither am I going to faint, Jeff. But I had forgotten all about that box. I cannot go into details, for there are some things that we don't talk about to anybody. But that box is connected with rather an unhappy time in my youth.' "'Hundreds of years ago,' Geoffrey said flippantly. "'Oh, but it is no laughing matter, I assure you. When my mother was a child, she was surrounded by all the craft and superstition of her race and religion. That was long before she got converted and married my father. I don't know how it was managed, but my mother never quite broke with her people, and once or twice, when she went to stay in Tibet, I accompanied her. My mother used to get restless at times, and then nothing would do but a visit to Tibet. And yet, at other times, nobody could possibly have told her from a European with foreign blood in her veins. For months and months she would be as English as you and I. Then the old fit would come over her. There was not a cleverer or more brilliant woman in India than my mother. When she died she gave me these things, and I was not to part with them. And much as I should like to disobey, I cannot break that promise. It seemed to Geoffrey that Marion spoke more regretfully than feelingly. He had never heard her say so much regarding her mother before. Affectionate and tender as Marion was, there was not the least trace of these characteristics in her tone now. "'Did you really love your mother?' Geoffrey asked suddenly. "'I always obeyed her,' Marion stammered. "'And I'd rather not discuss the subject, Jeff. "'Oh, they were bad people, my mother's ancestors. "'They possessed occult knowledge far beyond anything known or dreamt of "'by the wisest Western savants. "'They could remove people mysteriously. "'They could strike at a long distance.' they could wield unseen terrors, such as the terror that hangs over Ravenspur, for instance. Marion smiled sadly. Her manner changed suddenly, and she was her old self again. "'Enough of horrors,' she said. "'I came here to help you. Come along.' The boxes were carried below until only the brass-bound one remained. Geoffrey stooped to lift it. The wood was light and thin. The brasswork was the merest tracing. A sudden guilty feeling came over Geoffrey as he raised it shoulder high. He felt half inclined to defy his Uncle Ralph and take the consequences. It seemed a mean advantage, a paltry gratifying of what, after all, might be mere curiosity. But the vivid recollection of those strained, sightless eyes rose before him. 
Ralph Ravenspur was not the man to possess the petty vice of irrepressible curiosity. Had it not been a woman he had to deal with, and Marion at that, Geoffrey would not have hesitated for a moment. Down below in the hall he heard the hollow rasp of Ralph's voice. Geoffrey made up his mind grimly. He seemed to stumble forward, and the box fell from his shoulder, crashing down on the stone floor. The force of the shock simply shivered it in pieces. A great nest of grass and feathers dropped out, and from the inside a large mass of strange objects appeared. "'I am very sorry,' Geoffrey stammered after the box had fallen. "'Never mind,' she said. "'Accidents will happen.' But Geoffrey was wrapped in the contemplation of what he saw before him. Some score or more of ivory discs, each of which contained some painting. Many of them appeared to be portraits. Geoffrey picked up one of them and examined it curiously. He was regarding an ivory circle with a dark face upon it, the face of a beautiful fury. "'Why, this is you!' Geoffrey cried. If you could only give way to a furious passion, it is you to the life. I had forgotten that, Marion gasped. Of course it is not me. See how old and stained the ivory is. Hundreds of years old it must be. Don't ask any more questions, but go down and throw that thing in the sea. Never speak of the subject again. Geoffrey promised. He strode out of the house and along the terrace. As he was descending the steps, a hand touched his arm. Ralph stood there. "'Give it me,' he said, "'at once.' "'Give you what, uncle?' "'That ivory thing you have in your pocket. I felt certain it was there. Give it to me. Assume you have cast it over the cliffs.' Marion will be satisfied. But I promised Marion that— Oh, I know. And if you knew everything, you would not hesitate for a moment to comply with my request. Uncle, I cannot do this thing. A hard expression came over Ralph's face. Listen, he said in his rasping voice. The lives and happiness of all of us are at stake. The very existence of the woman you love is in your hands. I have schemed for this, he said. I expected it. And now you are going to balk me. It is not as if I did not know what you possess. That is because you must have overheard my conversation with Marion. I admit it, Ralph said coolly. I listened, of course. But you found it, and I heard what I expected. It is for you to say whether the truth comes out or not. The truth, the truth, Geoffrey cried passionately. It must out. Then give me that miniature. I'll ask you on my knees if you like. There was an imploring ring in the speaker's voice. Geoffrey hesitated. "'If no harm is to come to Marion,' he said, "'I might break my word.' 
Ralph gripped him by the arm convulsively. "'I swear it,' he whispered. "'On my honor, be it. Have I not told you before that not for all Ravenspur would I have a hair of that girl's head injured? If ever a man in this world meant anything, I mean that. The miniature, come!' And Geoffrey, with a sigh, handed the ivory disc to Ralph. End of chapter 14